What does it mean to be a parent in today's society? What does it mean to be present in your child's education and have a hand in what they're learning? Do we shield them or do we expose them to anything and everything possible? Do we encourage banning books that might make children feel a certain way? Or do we offer suggestions to adjust their curriculum in a way that teaches them to understand and accept one another? Well, my guest today is the woman who I owe everything to, my mom. She's a retired academic counselor, educator, mother of two, and grandma. And I can't wait for you to hear her perspectives on parenting and our current education system. You're listening to We Need to Talk. We need to talk. Welcome back to We Need to Talk. I am so excited to be back and happy Mother's Day to all of the incredible mothers out there. And I personally couldn't think of a better person to have on my first episode back. So to my mom, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. So I don't know if you are aware, but there is this current movement um, with parents Um wanting to have the freedom to parent their child and um, control what their children learn in schools, whether it be positive or negative. It's kind of on both sides. I know since you're a retired educator, I want to know when you are working in the high school level and even in the college level, how involved were parents in what their children were learning on a day-to-day basis in terms of you know, their opinions on curriculum or how they felt, you know, look, with all book bannings, like that just wasn't a thing, I feel like, when Jamika and I were in school but, or when you were an academic counselor. So I'm just curious, like, how was that dynamic with parents in terms of how involved they were and what their kids were learning? I remember very vividly the one issue that parents were involved in, and and I'm not talking about a large percentage of parents, but there were some parents who did not want their uh, children in high school in the ninth grade um, to learn about the sex chapter in the health class. And they were given opportunities to excuse them from that unit. And the students either went to the library or they would go to um, someone else's classroom during that particular period. But like I said, we're not talking about a large percentage of parents, but that was the only other opposition. The only other issue that I remember in high school with parents that became very annoying is when parents wanted their sons or daughters to be in the advanced placement courses that they just wasn't ready for and the kids didn't really want to take the classes either but it was just it was just the parents wanting to push that and parents wanting to um, decide how rigorous their course of study should be I mean we always as counselors wanted the students to have the most challenging course of study that they could handle but that's the key that they could handle so that they would be successful um but in the environments in which I was a counselor, both at, 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 in both school districts, you know, I, I feel like it was a, a big part of the ego of the parents mm. to be able to have something to brag about. You know, you know, my kids in the highest, you know, classes that my kid has this and my kid has that, you know, and not really thinking about what the kid wanted. Now, when you're talking about it at the college level. The biggest concern was parents who wanted to control what their kids majored in. Mm. Really, really big in the Asian culture. 
um, it had to be math, science, engineering. It had to be something that they felt was going to be profitable in the future. And then there were other parents. Um, I remember some, you know, well-to-do African-American parents who did not want their sons or daughters to major in art or theater or black studies or sociology. Um, They wanted them to major in something that was going to allow them to become a lawyer or a doctor. And it's really funny because when I used to talk to parents and I said, sociology is an excellent major for law school. Mm. But in their mindset, it had to be political science. So they didn't have the knowledge base to know how diverse a sociology major would be and how invaluable an English major could be in law school or a history major. So they had a very narrow focus on what they perceived as to be the best major for their kids to go to law school. Yeah. So how did you then, as a parent, balance your knowledge as an academic counselor with just being a mom? Well, first of all, I wanted the very best for my daughters, but I also wanted them to have freedom of choice as to what they were interested in. Which you, I, I have to attest, I, and I thank you for that, because you've always been very supportive of both me and Jamika's trajectories. But I didn't want to cut you off, but I just wanted to say the thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I wanted you, I did not want you to be lazy students. I wanted you to be challenged, and I made sure that you were challenged throughout the summers. You didn't have the summers off from studying academically. You sure didn't. <laughs> but I did not want you to be in the gifted the GATE program, the Gifted and Talented Student Program, if you were not going to meet the challenge of the demands of that program. Right. Um, If you were not going to work hard and at least get a B. I didn't require that you have to have A's, but I was not going to accept a C because that was laziness on your part. Mm -hmm. Um, So balancing being a counselor and being a mom, uh, I had to wear both hats. And, you know, sad to say... I hated to have to contact my counselor colleagues to say, I need you to talk to my daughter. I need you to call her in and have a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. Um, I shouldn't have had to do that. Uh, I had access to every single thing that you girls did, and I know that you resented that, especially when you you went to college. You in particular, because you, you went to college at a young age. Yeah. So you had to have my permission to do anything. I had to get your permission to go recycle. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. But even when um, your sister, she said, I'm going to apply to a college where you don't know anyone. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. And she did not realize that the person that um, interviewed her for Cal State Northridge, uh, where she got admitted, she did not know that that student was a former student of mine at UC Santa Barbara. Oh, my goodness. But that was no influence on her getting admitted because I didn't even know until after the fact right. who, who had interviewed her. Yeah. It just goes to show you it's, a, you know, it's a small world. Absolutely. But I would never hesitate to, to contact the school if I had a question. I knew how to access your accounts. And... I know both of you asked the question, well, how did you know how to access my, how did you see my transcripts? How did you know, you know, I had my ways. (laughs) 
Um, but I never wanted you to feel stifled. I never mm-hmm. wanted you to feel that you didn't have the freedom to be who you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, for one minute you wanted to be a doctor, and I literally mean one minute. Truly. Um, and you persevered to become who you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Your sister surprised me. I had no idea that she would become a teacher because she was so artistic and she wanted to be an animator. Yeah. But she did not want to do the work of an artist. And so that was her personal choice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I don't know what more I can say um, in terms of how did I balance being a counselor versus being a mom uh, sometimes it just always it, went together. Yeah, yeah, it always. I didn't. I couldn't separate the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that maybe the two of you felt like I was overstepping my bounds uh, by stepping into a, a counselor's role too much when your counselor should have done that. Right. Right. Um, but it, I did what I had to do. Absolutely. And I think obviously, and I don't. I don't want to speak for Jamika, but I know for me now being older, now having a child that's starting in school she's in preschool now but as she gets older like I do appreciate all of your (laughs) intervening at the time I would consider it meddling but I do appreciate it because I think it did help me at least in the long run looking back Mm -hmm. um and I know a lot of people realize things that their parents did were for their benefit when they get older you know so I do appreciate that so now I do want to ask you since you have how long have you been retired now Nine years. You've been retired for nine years. Seeing all of the things that are happening with the education system in this country, with banning books, with, you know, not wanting to have any form of sex education, with not even acknowledging the LGBTQ identity, black history, all of that. Like, how does that make you feel as a retired educator seeing the education system really just kind of go down the toilet? Very sad because... This generation um, of high school students, I'll start with, or even prior to, to, uh, to high school, from elementary on up, um, they are going to grow up and they're going to be just naive about everything. They're not going to have any uh, knowledge base about history. Um, but the curious thing is that all of these books that they're banning, it's just making these young people want to read them anymore. You can't, you, you, you can't hide history. And, and when you think about banning a book like I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou, I mean, that is a powerful book that every young girl should want to read because it happens every single day mm-hmm. when you are sexually assault, assaulted or abused by a family member. And you can't talk about it. Yeah. And we have to stop stifling our kids and we have to stop making them feel like they don't need to know. I grew up that way. I mm. couldn't ask questions, you know. Don't ask questions, just do what I say. Gone are those days. Kids are curious and and they're very smart. And they should be allowed to learn about things. This is our demographics are changing. This is a very diverse country, different sexual orientations, and all of the isms that people have issues with, they need to get over it. 
because, you know, I just feel so badly for the young kids. First of all, they, they have no signature. They don't learn cursive anymore. <laughs> They're learning a new form of math that no one gets. So yeah, the parents Not even the me, teachers. Yeah, you know. Um, and so they're limited in their, in their whole knowledge base. Uh, I don't even know if they know how to use a library, if they even go to a library, because they can Google everything. Um, so education is going down the tubes. So unless a child is being taught at home or some after-school program or some reading program or something extra, um, they're going to be lacking yeah, and I don't know how they're going to have that preparation for uh, for college. I mean, I was saddened at the fact that I didn't know anything about Black history until I went to college. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and there was a time when an ethnic studies class was required in college as part of your general education. So I don't even know if that's still a requirement or if they've gotten away with that. It just seemed like every time we go three steps forward, then we take ten steps back. Mm-hmm. And then we have to start all over again. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to go back to something that you said because it was not that way in our household. But you said you weren't allowed to ask questions growing up. And a lot of people that grow up in those households, they end up becoming parents that also don't allow their children to ask questions. But you were completely the opposite of that. I mean, I asked you everything, and you always told me the truth. Or if you didn't know, you'd say you didn't know, and you'd figure out how to find an answer. So I'm curious how you were able to kind of break that cycle when you became a mom as opposed to continuing what you grew up with? I always told myself that I want to be the mom that I never had. Mm. And I'm not putting down my mother. She did not have the knowledge, you know, for, and so when she didn't know something, she just shut it down. Um, so I'm, I'm giving her grace, you know, uh, but it took me a long time because when I grew up, I left Louisiana when I was seven years old. And at that time we would go downtown. We had to sit at the back of the bus. I wanted to know why Mm. we had to sit at the far end at the counter to get our hamburger at Woolworths. I wanted to know why. And I never got an answer. Hmm. You know, don't ask questions, just do what I say, you know, because it didn't make any sense to me. So I always felt stifled. And my grandmother and and my cousin Helen, they were the only two people who entertained my questions. (laughs) At least they tried to. And they would be honest and tell me if they didn't know the answer. But it stuck with me. And it made me fearful in school to raise my hand and ask the question Mm. in fear that, I would sound stupid or that I would be judged or I would be shut down because sometimes I wanted to, to say something to the teacher that I totally disagreed with, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I shut it down. It's like I remember taking philosophy in, in, as a freshman in college and the philosophy teacher said that there is no God. Well, I had real issues with that. Yeah. But I didn't say anything. <laughs> But I ended up getting a C in that class because I would not respond to his essay questions in the manner in which was acceptable to him. Hmm. I had to do it according to my values and belief. Right. So 
getting a C, as far as I was concerned, was well-deserved. I passed the class, and I did not have to, to uh, change my value system to please the teacher. Right. But um, I don't want to get off track here, so let me know if I'm No, you're doing track. great. <laughs> so, so, yes, I, I feel like now it's 71 years old. I'm just now dis- discovering through my own self-reflection Everything that I went through where I felt stifled, where I felt not, I won't say um, inferior, but judged. Mm -hmm. Because in most of my positions that I have had in my career, I have been the only Mm -hmm. African-American. I was the only African-American student majoring in English um, when I went to UC Santa Barbara. You know, so that being the only um, has been prevalent throughout my whole life. Right. And, but I had to be true to myself. And I got to the point where I said, okay, I don't care if this is a stupid question. I don't know. Okay. And so when you're around people that grew up in a different environment to you and you haven't been exposed to certain things, you have questions. Of Of course. You know, it's like even when you had to take the SAT exams for college and stuff. You know, they ask you questions that you couldn't answer because that was not your experience. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I remember your sister, she, she when she went to the review session at the high school after she took her practice SAT and she missed the one about um, that, that may mention the greyhound, you know, and they were talking about a dog. Mm. Your sister thought they were talking about a bus. <laughs> That was her because that's what we knew. Exactly. We, yeah, uh, that she makes didn't sense. know anything. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And how would you know about some of these subjects if you've never been exposed to right. it? So right. I always felt like those exams were linguistically and academically biased. Yeah, and yeah. I still feel that way. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they are a true indicator of a, of a, of a student's intellectual ability. Yeah. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And I know throughout college when I had to take the uh, the GRE for graduate school, you know, I took it and I was always like one or two points below what was acceptable. And I finally just wrote them a, a hot letter. And yes. I'm like, look, <laughs> I've done the very best I can in answering your questions. And I told them about the biases. And, you know, I got waived and I got accepted. So you have to find your own voice and you have to be strong enough to advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and as you grow older and i'm saying that as your mother today as you're going into your flourishing (laughs) next phase in life thank you (laughs) you have to learn to advocate for yourself because no one will and 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 i don't mean if it's going to the doctor your career whatever you have to advocate for yourself yeah. because there's always going to be stereotypes there's always going to be judgments based on the color of your skin mm-hmm. or just what people think they know yeah, and absolutely. they don't absolutely you know it's interesting also that you bring up um how testing and curriculum is racially biased and i think a lot of people don't want to hear that or come to grips with the fact that it is a truth So when we look at things that are currently happening in the education system, it's funny because 
everything that they're doing is so very clearly catered to a specific demographic, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we get people to realize that, that, hey, by doing banning the books or keeping testing the way that they are, the way that it is, um, get them to see that this is actually catering towards the upper middle class demographic that is predominantly white without making them retreat or like not want to hear it because they think we're trying to make all white people feel bad because that's not what the situation is, right? We're not trying to make white people feel bad. We're just trying to say education deserves equity and equality. But like, what would your suggestions be in terms of like how to combat that? Well, first of all, there has to be a way to get to the non people of colors, uh, attitude and fear it's a fear Mm -hmm. that something is being taken away from them they need to want to embrace diversity yeah you know yeah a bouquet of flowers with beautiful different colors is a lot more appealing than a bouquet of white flowers (laughs) i mean i'm just saying you know pun intended and um (laughs) Or the same thing, you know, with the salad. Yeah. You know, there should be different ingredients Not to make that salad lettuce. good. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and the demographics is changing. There is no person alive that's 100% white. You're not. You're yeah. just not. Yeah. And as we begin to see more biracial um children in the world, uh, people with different sexual orientations, they're going to have a different ideology about life and what it is that they need to learn. And I just feel like trying to ban things, trying to make things cater towards one uh, set of people is going to backfire on them. It's Mm. just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work. I agree. Um, People are going to rise to the occasion. And there are some things that's common across all races, across all people, just knowledge that you just simply need to know, okay? So you can't make everything, you can't hide history. You yeah. just can't. Yeah. Um, you're going to learn it one way or the other, and you are going to, uh, and you're going to shine as a result of it. And so I think that especially parents with children of color, you just have to keep exposing your children to every discipline, the arts, the sciences, the humanities, yeah, you know, everything. Make them as well-rounded as possible, and they will continue to persevere. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas those who are just thinking in terms of the academics, they're going to, they're going to be suffer, at a loss. They are. They will, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, you know... There's more to life than just learning about Rosa Parks and, you know, not giving up her seat, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I mean, you know, it's like they pick and choose who they would allow you to learn about. Who they think is safe, yeah. 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 Um, But the truth hurts. Yes, it does. But it has to be told. Yeah. And you learn from the truth. You can't hide the truth. So all of this banning the books is just making people... uh, 
one to get those books. In fact, <laughs> I have an interesting story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to an event at the Michelle Obama Library in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And so um, a couple of women and I, we went into the library to check it out. Very, very high-tech, beautiful library. And we asked the question, um, has the library been affected by banning of the books? And the, the librarian said, quite the opposite. Is that people have been coming in here asking for books wow. that have been banned because they they wanted to know if they could check it out. They yeah. want to read the books. Yeah. So it's enlightening people because they have this curiosity. Why can't I read that book? I mean, I was curious when they banned Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. I'm like, why? I like those. I read them. Yeah. And I wasn't old enough to understand the stereotypes mm. that was in the books. Yeah. You know, it was just Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry <laughs> Finn. What, what's, what's wrong with this book? You know? <laughs> right. There's right, some right. two little hillbilly boys, you know, oh my being bad and doing <laughs> things. I did not see uh, why they wanted to be banned. Or even when I was at UCSB and the black studies professors, they wanted to ban Dumbo. Hmm. And I'm like, why do you want to ban Dumbo? What did Dumbo do? Because of the crows? Be- yes. Yeah. And the stereotype. But that was over my head. Yeah. Just like when you grew up with Popeye and Isla Ball. You didn't see the stereotypes. I still know. You just saw Wait, Popeye. The- you just saw Popeye eating some spinach. <laughs> Wait, what's the stereotype with Popeye and olive oil? I don't know. I still there, don't there know. There was an issue. All right, we got to look that up. There is an issue. There isn't, you know, maybe because there was nobody black. With, oh. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Interesting. People just people just pick and choose things just to complain about. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I just don't understand it. Yeah. But... Back to your original question about how the education system is today. I just feel sad yeah. for the students. Um, prior to online applications to apply to college, when they had to actually fill it out in written form, high school kids didn't even know how to address an envelope. <laughs> they didn't even know where to put the stamp. I mean, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And, and then now there's no cursive writing anymore, so mm-hmm. they have no signature. Yeah. Yeah. They can't even read cursive. Yeah. And well, I think that that puts them at a distance. is not really a... There's certain... I will say this. I feel like there are certain things that I definitely learned in high school that I have not to this day used or applied. But the things that I feel like should have been taught were never a part of curriculum. Now, granted, you did a great job of you know, teaching certain things to to me and Jamaica outside of school. But I feel like in general, and like you said, you know, the more you expose your kids to, the more well-rounded they'll be. I think not just diversity, but also just basic life skills were not taught. You know, how to do finances, Mm -hmm. make a budget, what credit is, you know, because I had to learn about credit the hard way, you know. But it's those types of things that I wish... There, that there was more stock put into them in a curriculum. Like, honestly, I haven't used algebra, and I'm probably never going to, right? I don't think I could do an algebra or geometry problem. Equation, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's not useful. Now, for people that went into math and science and engineering, obviously, that's yeah. stuff for you. But well, what's important is how to count your money and to know <laughs> if you're being cheated or not. You know, that's what's important. Why how do you balance your... How to balance your bank book, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. But math is also related to just logic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? So 
looking back on it, I can see how a lot of the principles that I learned from math helped me philosophically yeah. to be able to sort things out. But you're right. You know, learning how to do an algebraic problem or geometry, you know, it's just like I could not pass the geometry part of the GRE. And uh, and I had to get tutored by Jamaica. Um and then I finally passed. But mm-hmm. to me, I was like, I could care less about the circumference of a tree <laughs> or, you know, or this whole pie graph. You know, yeah, why yeah. is that significant? What does that have it. to do with me being a counselor? Right. You know, so why do I have to pass this yeah. part? But, yeah, you know, yeah. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just had to say, okay, you're capable. You're smart. You can figure this out. Mm-hmm. Stop resisting it. Stop feeling like you can't when yeah. you can't. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Um, you do what you have to do. Everything you learn in school, what is useful, you will apply it to your life experience. What is not useful, you will discard it. Yes. It's just as simple as it that. It really is. Um, so before we wrap up, I I want to ask, because you've obviously been so great with Sienna and and teaching her outside of preschool and getting her prepared. But what is your hope for her in her education journey as she gets older? Okay, I'm going to reflect back on when I was in the teaching credential program and everything that I had to learn. Even though it was for elementary school, we still learned about preschool and whatever. And the approach to teaching has vastly changed fastly change. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, with technology. A lot of it has to do with, you know, what little kids are exposed to and what not. Now, my granddaughter is so fortunate that she has two very educated parents. She has, you know, an, an auntie who's a teacher. She has a, uh, you know, grandmother who's, you know, not only is a licensed teacher, but a counselor. And so she has a lot of influences that uh, will engage her in learning in all kind of disciplines. But the most important thing is that we have to allow her to become herself. Yeah. She she cannot be a mini Melinda. She cannot be a mini Jamaica or, or you know or mini Diane. She has to be herself. She's extremely advanced, mm-hmm. but she's going to do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. Yep. Uh, we can give her the tools, and we continue to give her the tools because she's not going to get all of these tools in school right away. Her readiness level has to start at home. Yeah. And all parents should know that. Some parents don't. Some parents say, okay, well, you'll learn how to do this when you go to school. It's not okay to sit your kid in front of a laptop or a TV and, and, and let them learn from YouTube. There are some excellent programs that... But it should be supplemental. It should be supplemental. Yeah. Absolutely. They have to use their brain. Yeah. They have to use their brain. And the whole thing with phonics... I'm going to be honest with you. I have an issue with phonics Mm. because phonics is very, very hard. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be taught. I'm just saying that the order in which it should be taught, I think, has shifted. Mm. I think a kid needs to learn sight words and even how to recognize the words and even maybe write the letters before they do phonics Mm. because phonics is hard. It's very hard to just sound something out. And... A 
perfect example. Your daughter, she knows all her numbers. Mm -hmm. And now she knows the written numbers. She knows them from sight. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. She knows them from identifying the letters and how they're spelled, not from phonics. Because mm -hmm. I tell her, when you want to go to kids' YouTube, you have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. I'm not telling you the passcode. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday, she got stuck on the number nine. She looked at it, and she said, Grandma, I don't remember this number. I said, well, you better go find your, your number cards and figure it out. And she did. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I think that that is a, a better way yeah. for her to learn. She can read if she wants to. Yeah. She's not there yet. Your sister wasn't. She didn't decide that she wanted to read until she was four, and you were born, and she read to you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that we should continue to do what we're doing. I think that what you're doing in terms of developing her social skills is, is really what's important right now. Yeah. And then we're going to foster more of the academics, and we're not going to let her fall behind. Yeah. But it's a new day. It's a new day. There's new teaching approaches. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying that technology doesn't have some great programs out there, but that's a kid should not, should not have that as their primary um, way of learning. Yeah, agreed. agreed. You know, college kids, they don't research anymore. <laughs> they Google everything. Yeah, now they're using AI to write their papers. Well, they did that back in the day, too. They would, but, but, but it wasn't something on the computer, but there were actually people that they would pay <laughs> to write their people, their, their papers for <laughs> Well, them. now it's a robot. That, that was a service. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they got away with it, and sometimes they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you should never have to pay somebody $50 to write you a paper <laughs> so that you can pass a class. So, you know, that's, yeah, that happened way back yeah. in the day. Yeah. But they're not using their brains. They're not using their minds. I mean, we all Google stuff, you know. People even Googling stuff in the Bible. They don't even want to read the scriptures <laughs> anymore. You know, it's so, it, and, it's, and, and Googling stuff is just not guaranteed that that's, factual mm -hmm. or is everything that you need to know it's the information that's out there yeah right and so right. you need to be cognizant of that because like my doctor told me she said you know stop googling stuff dr google can kill you yeah. <laughs> this is true <laughs> you know this is true so you end up with all kinds of diseases if you Google symptoms. Yeah, yeah. or mm -hmm. you would just get totally depressed. You said, "Oh my God, I have this, I have this, I have that." Yeah, you know, and you yeah. diagnose yourself. You're self-diagnosing yourself, and it may not even be true. So you got to be careful with using Googling as as a tool for learning. Yeah. read yourself, research yourself. Get self-help books. But make sure the research is credible because exactly. people will do research do that. on random things that don't even have any credibility. Um, well, that was all wonderful advice, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to not watch Sienna so that we could have this <laughs> conversation. Um, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you, and thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of We Need to Talk. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you would like to leave us a review, well, I'm not going to set you on it, and I would greatly appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode next week, and we have a few more episodes before we wrap up this season. See you next week. We need to talk.